Where and when we worship does not really matter to God. We can worship any time of the day, 24-7, 365. It doesn't matter where we worship either. We can worship at the church, in our living room, it's even out while you're hiking or riding your mountain bike. Like I was saying before, a lot of times we think of worship as being done at a church building, but you can really do it anywhere. We can worship outside in the parking lot when we're having outdoor devotionals. We can worship at home when we're watching the live stream or just singing our favorite worship tune or um, praying or reading our Bible. We can do that at a park. We can do that at someone else's house. You're really not limited to where you can worship and how you do it. Um, there's a lot of different options and I think people sort of get can, people can sort of get wrapped up in the idea that worship is done at church, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, well, I mean, the obvious answer are our scheduled times, you know, Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, um, when, when we're together on Wednesday, Bible, you know, Bible studies. Um, those are the first things that, that stick out uh, as the obvious answer. But, you know, there's, there's so much other things, so many other times that we, we can. Absolutely. One of my, I love song worship and praise in that way. And one of my favorite times of the day to, to worship and praise God is during my morning commute when I get to actually have a morning commute. Um, I have a playlist on Spotify that's just a whole bunch of praise songs and, you know, I can belt it out in my car. Um, and, and so that's, that's a win and wear as well. But, you know, we also worship in our workplaces as well. Um, you know, there's, there's never a wrong place or a wrong time to be worshiping God. When and where do we worship? And as I said earlier, our life is our worship. So, place, we of course see the assembly, the, uh, the church, the church building. I think it's in Romans, Romans where the, where the uh, Jews will go back and worship in the temple. So they were, the temple was their place of worship. And uh, our place of worship as a family, as a church, is in our, our building, or our building parking lot, or our living room, wherever the church is assembled. I think that's worship, and it shows reverence. It shows that we thank God, thank Jesus, thank the Holy Spirit, all three, without, without any need for their, of theirs, they no need of ours, they loved us, they gave themselves for us, and it's in a real way that we, we thank God, and that is our worship. It does get tangled up sometimes with a, a ball field or a, football field and uh, everybody knows I love sports but I love God and what he has done for me and it is amazing uh, how sometimes you can just say thank you God thank you well that question made me think about Jesus when he was with the Samaritan woman and they were talking about that and he said you don't worship on this mountain or even in Jerusalem, he told her the where was in spirit and truth. It was not a place. And so how do we worship in spirit and truth? With our heart, which we take with us every single place we go. So how and where we worship is from the heart 
and the where is everywhere we are, all day, every day, wherever we go. Well, welcome back once again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. We are so thankful to have you with us here on this beautiful, sunny, but a little cold uh, Sunday morning here in Southern California as we get ready to uh, launch into part four of our Made to Worship series. And this will be our last uh, our last installment of the Made to Worship series. And then next week, since it's the fifth Sunday, will actually be our Family Worship Sunday. And it's going to be a really great time to come together. We're going to invite some of our young men to come up on the stage and perform some of the uh, some of the normal Sunday morning duties, such as leading prayers and leading us in our communion thought and things like that. So next week is going to be great. 1015 will be children's worship, and then 1030 will be Family Worship Together Sunday. So we hope that you'll be able to join us for that. And then starting the following weekend, which will be that first weekend in February, we're going to launch into a brand new series where we're going to unpack the book of Nehemiah. Um, and maybe Nehemiah is a book that's not really familiar to you, or maybe you haven't spent any time in Nehemiah recently, but there is just some great information in Nehemiah about this concept of revival and reviving a nation. And that's what the story of Nehemiah is all about. And what a great time for us to stop, take a step back, look at the book of Nehemiah, and think and talk through how we need to revive as a church as well. So I hope that you'll take some time between now and then, maybe read those first couple chapters of Nehemiah and, and kind of get yourself familiar with that because here in two weeks, we're going to start unpacking this brand new series and I'm really excited about it and I hope that you guys will be too. So let's jump into today's lesson. Again, we've been talking about this idea that we were truly made to worship the one true and living God. And we've looked at some different aspects of this over the last couple of weeks. And just to give you a bit of a refresher in case you weren't able to be with us the last couple of weeks, but part one, which would have been three weeks ago, we unpacked what worship really is. What are some of the different ways that we worship? Uh, part two, we, we looked at the tale of three families where we looked at some different characters from the Bible, such as David, who was kind of our fanatical fan, so to speak, and, and he danced in the streets, and that's how he worshipped. And we looked at his wife, Michael, who was just embarrassed because she was so worried about what other people thought. And then we just kind of unpacked that story of Uzzah and how he didn't have enough faith in God that he reached out to grab the ark and that he was punished for doing that. And then last week we talked about some of the principles of worship, things such as our worship should be God-focused, our worship should be focused on the Word, and, and just some of the different principles of what lead us to this idea of corporate worship. And today we're going to change gears a little bit. We're going to talk about when and where do we worship. Now, of course, we know that the simple answer to that, and I think uh, our video really unpacked this a little bit for us as well, is we can worship anytime and anywhere, and we should. Now, don't get me wrong, as we unpack this today, we're looking at things we can do outside of the four walls of the church. But what I don't want you to take away from this, I am not saying that our corporate worship, when we come together on Sunday mornings, is not important. Because I think absolutely it is. It's great for us to come together. That's when we get to fellowship with one another. We get to build each other up and pray for and with each other. I am not downplaying the idea that we shouldn't be here on Sunday mornings. But what I want to encourage you to do today is to look out outside of the four walls of the church? What are some of the other ways that the Bible shows us that we can really truly worship anytime and anywhere? So that's going to be kind of the premise of today's lesson. 
So again, part four is when and where do we worship? So I want to read this passage to you, and it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or promising the free exercise, prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, some of you, this is going to look really familiar, right? This is from the Bill of Rights. I'm taking you all the way back to probably grade school history here. But I think it's important that as we look at worship and the fact that we should be able to worship anytime and anywhere, even our forefathers had the foresight to realize that this is something that needed to be protected. They knew, even back then, that, hey, we need to put some things in place to make sure that people can practice their religion in the way that they want to without any repercussions. So we have this right there in the Bill of Rights. Now, this is something that we take for granted sometimes, right? We just take for granted that, hey, we can get in the car and we can drive over to the church and we can get together and we can have a church service and we have very little fear of any repercussions of that. Well, there's very little fear that anybody's going to come kick the back door down and say, hey, you guys can't do this, because it's protected right there in the Bill of Rights. But, but let's not forget that this is not the case everywhere that you go. We are blessed to live in a country where we are allowed to worship the way we want to worship. But that's not the case everywhere you go. We see stories in the news almost daily of people in other countries who are truly persecuted for their Christian faith, even to the point of death. And see, I feel like we've gotten so comfortable and so complacent with that that we forget and we take for granted that this isn't the case for everybody. It's simply not. So we need to always be mindful of we, we may not agree with everything that's going on in our country, politically and economically, but, but we're blessed that we live in a place that we can worship anytime and anywhere with no fear of repercussions. And I want you to keep that in mind as we unpack this lesson here today. So let's get into some scripture. And ironically, KN mentions this in her portion of the video, but we're in John chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 19. So if you want to grab your Bibles, open up your Bibles, your Bible app, wherever you like to read Scripture, I would love for you to read this along with me. We're going to start in verse 19. It says, Sir, the woman said, and this, of course, is the woman at the well, it says, I can see that you're a prophet. It says, Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now, again, we're not going to get into all of the details of the woman at the well because there's so many different angles we could unpack of this story. But the importance is, is this topic comes up of when and where do we worship? And she's, she's asking Jesus, she's saying, wait a minute, but I thought we could only worship in Jerusalem. And my ancestors say we can only worship on this mountain. But here's where the reply comes from. He says... Woman, now remember, this is, this is a term of respect in this time. Uh, this was not a derogatory term. He wasn't calling her out. This was actually, in this, in this day and age, this was a term of respect. He says, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So Jesus is answering the question of when and where do we worship. He's saying, hey, it's not going to be just here on this mountain. It's not going to be just there in Jerusalem. And as we pick up in 22, it says, You Samaritans worship what you do not know, and we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. 
It says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Now, I love this because Jesus is basically answering the question that we're unpacking today. He's basically saying when and where? Everywhere. Everywhere you should be able to worship. If you're worshiping in spirit and in truth, then the spirit goes with you. You should be able to worship anywhere that you go. So I love that Jesus just kind of lays all the cards out on the table and says, look, you worship everywhere as long as you do it in spirit and in truth. And we talked about that last week when we talked about the fact that our worship should be spirit-led. Well, the spirit goes with us. So that answers our question of when and where should we worship. Let's look at another passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Again, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says, Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? It says, Whom you have received from God, you are not your own. So if our bodies are the temple and our bodies go everywhere, then we can worship everywhere. Now, remember what he's referring to here in 1 Corinthians, right? Because way back when, right, they had to go to the temple to be in the presence of God. They had to go to a specific place in order to worship. Similar to what we do right on Sunday mornings when we come to the building. But thank goodness that's not the only place where we can be in the presence of God. So he's reminding us here, your bodies are the temple for the Holy Spirit. And since our bodies go everywhere, right, that means that everywhere we go, we can and should worship the Father. So that brings us to the question, when and where should we worship? Should we worship at church? Of course we should. We know that. Again, that's what we do when we come together on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and sometimes Sunday evenings, and that's great. But what about when we're at school? And some of you are going, I'm not in school anymore. And that'd be nice, because I am in school. But, but my point is, what about the kids that are watching? What about when you're at school? Are you worshiping at school And that's not to say that you have to lead a Bible study at lunch or that you have to to circle at the flagpole every morning for a prayer, although those things would be amazing. But what this means is you can worship at school. Because whenever you're putting God first in everything that you do, you're worshiping. And maybe it's as simple as you bow your head at school at lunch and you say a prayer for your meal. Some of us, that's very second nature, right? Because we we grew up doing this and we've done it our whole lives. But, But for kids and maybe for new believers, that's a really challenging thing to do. It really is. And as you guys know, I'm the youth minister, so I spend a lot of time talking to junior high and high school kids. And we talk about sharing our faith. And we talk about how important it is to set an example for others and to share Jesus with other people. And one of the first questions I always ask is, do you do the little things? Do you bow your head at school and pray? And I'm not talking about standing on the table and leading a prayer. I'm talking about, do you bow your head and pray for your food? And almost without fail, the answer is no. It's no. And I say, why not? And they say, because it's hard. Because I'm afraid of what people might think of me. Because I'm afraid that people are going to judge me. But we need to worship anywhere and everywhere. And it can be something as simple as, 
saying a prayer because you know what? People are going to see that and they're going to realize what you're doing and they're going to realize that you're putting God first in everything that you do. What about at home? Do we worship at home? I hope that we do. I hope that our worship is not just on Sunday mornings, either at the building or on the live stream or whatever the case may be. I hope that we're not just giving God an hour a week, but I hope that we're truly worshiping him. Are we spending time in the word at home? Are we praying at home? Are we praying together with our families? Are we listening to music that God would approve of? Because see, you say, wait a minute, we have to worship at home? Yeah, we worship at home in the decisions that we make and the things that we do. In the movies that we watch and the music that we listen to. If we're doing things that are pleasing to God, then we're worshiping him at home. A lot of you are worshiping at home right now on Sunday mornings. Are we doing this just on Sunday mornings? Or are we doing it throughout the week as well? And what about at work? Are we worshiping at work? And again, that doesn't mean you have to have Christian music blaring at your desk at work or that you have to have your Bible opened up on your desk at work or, or maybe, you know, maybe sitting at lunch at a, at a lunch table reading your Bible. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But are we sharing the good news of Jesus everywhere we go? Are we talking to people about Jesus? When people are hurting, are we offering to pray for them? And sometimes when you offer to pray for a non-believer, guess what they say? They say no. But when we put it out there, when we offer to be with them, when we offer to introduce them to Jesus, then what are we doing? We're worshiping because we're putting God first. When you're making your decisions at work, are, are you doing it with God in mind? Are you doing what's best for you? You know, I, I used to work in sales and there was a lot of people who would say whatever they had to say to make a sale because they knew that was going to put money in their pockets. But see, when we take a stand against that and say, I'm not going to lie, cheat, and steal, then guess what? We're putting God first. And that's a form of worshiping him at work. So, so this is not an exhaustive list, of course. This is a very basic list. These are just four places that immediately come to mind when I think of where we worship but we should be able to worship anywhere. I think somebody, uh, Amanda, mentioned on the video, uh, or maybe it was Beth, uh, talked about, you know, in her car. She likes to worship in her car and listen to worship music on her way to work. Well, what a great way to start your day. What a great way to frame your day by lifting up praise to God. Maybe you like to pray first thing in the morning. Maybe you're one of these people that jumps out of bed and, and the first thing you, you do is you, you say a prayer. What a great way to start your day in a frame of putting God first. So let's, let's, let's look, look at some other things that are involved with worship. Worship is a verb, right? Now I'm taking you back to school again. I'm taking you back to grammar. And what is a verb? A verb is an action word, right? A verb is, is, a, is a doing word, so to speak. Now I'm not a grammar major, but I know that a verb is not a passive occurrence. It's a choice that you make. So what a great way to describe worship as a verb. It's something that we do. And when we do it, it's pleasing to God. So remember, worship is a verb. It's a doing thing. It's an action word. And I love that so much because worship is an action. Whether it's singing or studying or reading the Bible, it's an action word. 
If you're taking communion, what are you doing when you're taking communion? You're taking action. Right? When we take communion, we're saying to the world, what? We're saying, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, is the Son of the God. And then he came to earth and he died for our sins. It's an action. It's a verb. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I love this passage so much because I talk to people all the time, and whether it's a kid in school or somebody at work, and they say, you just don't understand. Things are different now. Things are harder now. I got these people following me on social media and they expect certain things of me. Or I'm getting bullied on social media. Or people make fun of me because of my faith. That word but is really a stumbling block for us sometimes. Because how often do we find ourselves saying, I know the Bible says this, but. I know Jesus wants me to do this, but. And we take it the opposite direction. Jesus understands what we're going through because he's been there and he's done that. He came down to the earth and he walked as a man. And and yes, he didn't walk in 2021. He walked a long time ago. But look at the story of Jesus' life. He faced the same types of things that you and I face. He faced ridicule and he faced persecution that led to his ultimate death on the cross. And we're not, going to have to, we're not going to be asked to go that far. And thank goodness that we're not, right? But we serve a God that understands. He understands, and that's why that we should give him our best. Because he knows what we're going through. He's been there, done that. So we've got to do the same and always put him first. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne with grace, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, this is where that confidence comes in. This is where that confidence that you're able to talk to people about Jesus. You don't have to preach to people. You don't have to sit down necessarily and open a Bible with them if that's not something you're comfortable doing. But you should have the confidence to tell them about the amazing things that Jesus has done in your life. Because when you have that confidence that you can tell them about Jesus, then you should want to tell everybody that you encounter about our amazing Savior who loved us so much that he went to the cross for us. But where does that confidence come from? It tells us right here where the confidence comes from. It comes from the strength that we find in Jesus Christ. So when we're worshiping, and we're spending time in the word, and we're spending time thinking and singing and worshiping God, it gives us that confidence that we need. Because guess what? Where your focus is, that's where your heart's going to be. And if your focus is on worshiping God, then that's where your heart's going to be. But if your focus is on everything else, that's where your focus will be. 
Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13, 15 and 16. It says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. We've been talking a lot about the, about the, uh, the where. Well, here's your when. Continually. It says, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Continually. All the time. In everything that we say and do, we need to be offering praise to God for the amazing things that he's done for us. Continually. I love that word. I love how they phrase this. All the time. Anywhere and everywhere, we need to worship the Father. Daniel 3, verses 8 through 25 is one of my favorite stories of the Bible, and I'm not going to read the whole story because, unfortunately, that's going to take too long. And it's also a very familiar story to most of you. So I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. And for those of you who are too young to know what Cliff Notes are, that means you're going to get the abbreviated cheater version. All right. So, basically, we have three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And King Nebuchadnezzar has basically erected this this golden idol, right? And he requires that everybody in the land bow down to this idol. So, So, again, the short version of the story, what would happen is they would blast these trumpets, and that was the signal that everybody came together and and bowed down to this idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no. No. I'm not going to bow down to your idol. I only bow down to the one true and living God. So I'm not going to do it. And just like today, somebody saw it and somebody reported them. And they basically said again, look, not going to do it. And you can't force me to do it. Now, what I love about this story is the confidence that they had And the fact that they worshipped God to the very end. Because basically they came to him and they said, look, if you don't bow down to them, we're going to throw you into the fire. We're going to throw you into the fire. Put yourself in these guys' shoes. If you don't refuse to worship God and worship our idol, we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And then they asked him the question. They said, well, what if... What if God doesn't save you from that furnace? And this is the part that I love. And you can go back and read the full story again. I'm just giving you the brief version. But this is the part that I love. They said, look, where's your God going to be then? And they said, well, hey, one of two things is going to happen. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, one of two things is going to happen. Either A, he's going to rescue us from the furnace. Or B, we're going to go to heaven and be with him for eternity. So do what you got to do is basically what they said. They were worshiping God in the face of being put to death. Put yourself in that position. Put yourself in that position where somebody said, look, if you continue to worship God, we're going to put you to death. Would you have that same strength and courage to say, Do what you got to do. Because either God's going to save me or I'm going to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. It's that confidence that we have as Christians 
not in ourselves, right? But in our amazing God that he's going to rescue us or that he's got a better plan for us in the end. And we know that because he sent his son to die for our sins. This is a picture just to give you the visual of what this may have looked like. But as the story continues, after they'd thrown these three guys into the furnace, they bound them, threw them in. The fire was so hot that the people who put them in the furnace actually burned to death. But then what happens is they they put these three guys in and all of a sudden they're like, are you seeing this? Because not only are they not dead, but there's somebody else in there with them. Imagine this scene. They expected, right, these guys to just immediately perish. And not only did they not perish, wait a minute, there's another guy in there. And he looks a lot like the Son of Man. This event was so spectacular that not only did the king start to believe, but he forced his entire nation to change their ways. And he convinced their entire nation to stop worshiping idols. And we talk about this, right? We may, not, we may not worship a golden calf or a golden idol, but we worship our work and our school and our sports and our hobbies. And he said, no, no more. Because if God can do that, and these men had enough confidence to worship to the very end, that's what I want. See, that's what happens when we have that confidence to worship God anywhere and everywhere that we go is people see that and they say, I want that. They say, I want that. I want that positivity. I want the fact that, hey, these people aren't scared of a pandemic because they know they're going to heaven. And they say, I want some of that. And that's exactly what happened in this story. As King Nebuchadnezzar said, I want that. I want that kind of faith. I want that kind of relationship to where I wouldn't be scared to be thrown into a fiery furnace because I know God's got my back. Got to worship to the very end, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Acts chapter 16, verse 23 and 24 says, After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Now, you, most of you know this is Paul, right? Paul's been thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. It says, When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So so Paul's been put into prison once again. He's been fastened. He's been chained up, and he's in prison. Let's go ahead and continue the story. Verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas, because again, Silas was traveling with Paul, says, We're praying and singing hymns to God. So it's midnight, and they're in jail, and what are they doing? They're worshiping. They're praising God, despite the fact that they're in jail depending on how you want to say it, because of God, because of doing his work. This is the thanks they got as they got thrown into prison. But at midnight, they're singing and they're praising God despite their circumstances. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. It says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken 
It says at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Wow. What a cool story. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't usually turn out that way for us in the short term, right? When we're praising God because we're in a difficult situation, because we've talked about this before, right? We've got to praise him in the storms, not just in the good times. Paul and Silas were praising him in the storms. And what happened? God rewarded them for staying faithful and worshiping despite their circumstances. Anywhere, any place, any time. And Paul and Silas got that. And God rewarded them immediately. He opened the doors. And again, this is another great story. If you want to go back and unpack this story, we could do multiple lessons just on this story alone. But they got an immediate reward for worshiping God. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way for us today, right? He's not just necessarily going to send a bolt of lightning down to fix all your problems. But just like how Paul and Silas were rewarded for worshiping God, even in the difficult times, if we do the same thing, we're going to be rewarded as well. And it may not be today, and it may not be tomorrow, and it may not be a year from now, but one day when we stand in judgment... And God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because you continued to worship even when things were bad. And see, that's the key. It's easy to worship when things are good. It's easy to come to church on Sunday mornings and worship when you're amongst other Christians and you're amongst other people doing the same thing that you are, right? Because it's comfortable. Nobody's going to look at me weird if I stand up and I put my hands in the air. But are we willing to do that when it's not so comfortable when it's not so easy i hope and pray that we are see god is with us and what does the bible say when god is with us then who can be against us there's a great worship song that that goes just like that it talks about if god is with me who can stand against me And, and these are just some examples the one on the left is is what might have looked like with paul and silas right in the in the jail cell worshiping God. I love the middle one. This is a prison, right? This is prison worship. Again, despite their circumstances, right? These prisoners are making an effort. They're trying to worship God despite the mistakes that they've made. So I love that. And the last one is is probably a, a Christian concert or whatever the case may be. But again, if God is with us, right? Then who can stand against us? And that gives us that confidence that we've been talking about to worship him anywhere and anytime. So what I want you to remember from today, what I want you to take away from today, we can and should worship him anytime and anywhere. And there are so many ways to do that. Again, I'm not downplaying our Sunday morning worship because I, I believe that that's important. But there are so many ways that we can truly worship God. And that's what we've been unpacking over this last four weeks. And last but certainly not least, worship is a verb. Worship is an active choice that you make every single day. Because, see, you choose, am I going to worship God today or am I just going to do my own thing? Am I going to put God first today or am I going to put this guy first Am I going to put me first? That's a decision that you have to make every day. 
And, and maybe you haven't been doing that. What a great time to say, look, going forward, this is what I want to do. Is I want to worship him anytime, anywhere, just like Paul and Silas did. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Just like Jesus told the woman at the well. You should worship everywhere you go. I want you to think about that this week. And maybe you've done a great job of that. Awesome, carry on. Or maybe, right, you've let other things get in the way. And you've let other things kind of creep in that have kind of pushed God to the side. You know, it's a new year, right? Some of us made New Year's resolutions or lifestyle changes or whatever the case may be. What a great chance to say, look, in 2021, I'm going to worship God and I'm going to put him first. In just a moment, we're going to sing what's called the Song of Invitation. And it's just an opportunity for you to kind of reflect on on where you're at. Where are you at in your walk with Christ? And, And maybe you've never had the chance to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a great way to start the new year than to publicly give your life to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've just let life get in the way. We would love for you to come forward. We would love to talk with you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to help you in any way that we can. If we can help you in any way, we ask you to please come as we stand together and as we sing. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. What a perfect song to wrap up our Made to Worship series. Let's get back to the heart of worship and remember that it's all about Jesus. Again, thank you so much for being here with us uh, on this beautiful Sunday morning. And we want to remind you of our midweek Bible study at 7 o'clock. That information comes out in an email, and I'll have a link to our Zoom meeting. If you'd like to get together on Wednesday nights, there is a time of fellowship as well as a time of Bible study with our brother Glenn Roberts. Next week, we'll be back at 1015 for our children's worship. At 1030 will be our family worship. I promise you, you're not going to want to miss that as we get our young men involved in our Sunday morning service. And our brother Glenn Alsip Jr. will be bringing the message next Sunday as well. Would you please join me in a word of closing prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray just as we sung a few minutes ago that you'll help us get back to a heart of worship. And just to remember, Lord, that it is all about you. You are worthy, you are deserving of our worship and our praise. And Heavenly Father, we pray that in everything that we say and do, we will put you first and remember that you are worthy of that worship as the one true and living God. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to go our separate ways this morning, we ask that you'll be with our church family, whether they're here with us or they're on our live stream. Just continue to be with them, continue to guide them, and continue to help them to always look to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son. We know that that sacrifice wasn't made because we were deserving in any way, but that sacrifice was made because you love us so, so much. 
Heavenly Father, it's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for being with us. Have a great week. Hear the holy roar of God resound. Hear the holy roar of God resound. Watch the waters part before us now. Watch the waters part before us now. Come and see what he has done for us. Tell the world of his great love. Our God is a God who saves. Let God arise. Let God arise. Our God reigns now and forever. He reigns now and forever.